So I had bought coffee, you know, some fancy overpriced, like $6 lattes or something. And I came home to clean the kitchen. I've been trying to keep the house clean. You know, my girlfriend really appreciates that. And I set the coffee down to start cleaning the kitchen, went and did something, came back, started cleaning. And I threw away yesterday's coffee cup because I like to waste money on overpriced coffee and started drinking my coffee. And it turns out I threw away my recently just bought oh, coffee no. and wasted six dollars. <laughs> I, I wasted six dollars. I, I poured it down the drain, literally. <laughs> that's and, and threw it away. That's so sad. That that initial coffee of the day is just a glorious moment, isn't it? I don't know. That's the Seattle in me talking, but oh, that's sad. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I would pour one out for you, but I kind you kind of beat me to it. Salutations, and welcome to the Trash Turtle Fantasy Podcast. Sometimes in life, you just have a disappointment so bad, you need dialysis to remove the salt from your veins and comfort chicken wing grease from your arteries. By pressing play, you've already taken another great step away from those shambles. So congratulations for making the right choice there, champ. You'll need it for this coming apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and you know, the craziest thing about this is, is I have no idea who you are. Who, who are you? Where is Iken? I, I've heard I, Iken's on a, um, a Goodwill mission to Buffalo to do some table rehab. Uh, oh, okay. I, I was here a few weeks ago. It's Chris. You know, Chris is here. It's Chris. Yeah, Chris. Chris is here talking, uh, making up stats. We're going to talk film today, so I think we have the two best people ever to talk about film today the two of us <laughs> the, the least film like versed people in the entire world are going to talk about film grades oh yeah you ready to laugh there's literally nothing more exciting <laughs> i mean I, it, it was great when you came in to the chat uh during the like last two drives of the seattle game and just to like hear your reaction to some of like what was occurring, it was like one, what the hell is you know DK Metcalf doing, and two, oh my goodness, Seattle's gonna lose ten more games this year, oh. <laughs> and there gonna be ten miserable games to watch too. That was it was it was a, a very much a mental lapse, and I'm sure that will be talked about the rest of the week in the Seattle um, locker room, um, yeah, over and over and over, but also. I believe I walked in and I was. Everyone's like, "Oh, you know, who coin flip's going to determine the touchdown?" I was like, "Oh no, no, no! This is going to be some ugly field goal situation." And yeah, and you said that exactly. <laughs> you were like, "This is going to be some ugly field goal ending game," and it, I mean, sure enough, it was. But um, what was funny as well was just like after. I don't know if you saw the the i know you're not huge on twitter but the twitter interaction between dk metcalf and shannon sharp i i heard vaguely about it but i did not i didn't hear the whole thing no so so dk found a post where shannon sharp said that that was you know a boneheaded move it was dumb and you know he's got to learn to do better right and dk said something he's like he's like quiet down little boy and Shannon was sitting there and he's like, he's like, you wish you could have half the career that I already had or something. And DK <laughs> like clapped back and then came back like seven hours later and was like, oh, okay, his career is pretty good. <laughs> he did some things, you know, <laughs> he did some good. He, he, someone posted on Twitter. They said DK typed in uh, Shannon Sharp PFR. And I cracked up about that because I, I just I do the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. I type in a player's name in PFR. <laughs> yep. And then if you use yeah, the duck to go, you just bang syntax that and, and you just go right to the page because that's 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 going to be your data source yeah. for history. Yeah. Yeah, and so I just I was just cracking up about just that whole interaction, and I mean, you know, it was a boneheaded move. I don't think anyone's gonna deny that. But what what a what a terrible just game overall. I was talking to our other resident Seattle fan, uh, Noro, uh, before the show, and we were talking about just how 
uninspiring would be maybe the way of putting it that um geno smith was um i i pointed out geno smith had half the a dot that ben roethlisberger had can you make a half we're talking about ben roethlisberger (laughs) here guys we're talking about the guy who just seemingly is not you know getting the ball out there so absolutely awful uh you know a barely you know cpoe was terrible i mean just everything about it was bad so when i saw the news blip that they were you know potentially talking to cam newton that was pretty exciting to me and i mean they have to try and win you guys traded away your first for jamal adams right yeah i mean there's i mean that's what seattle does they trade picks right that's the drafting the first or take a running back (laughs) yeah or take a running back who, yeah, well, I'll give I'll give that guy a pass because it's not Penny's fault. Um, yeah, yeah, but they think they need to win, but they also like uninspired is the right term. Like you look at that defense, and Norton does not look like Norton looks like what everyone has been yelling about for years, but it is very obvious now. Um, uh-huh. And you can very much tell how much that offense depends on Russell Wilson at this point, and it's 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 pretty bleak. I mean- <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure Russell Wilson is like a two-time winner of PFF's uh, war stat, wins above replacement, that he is like the highest contributing player to his team's individual wins, which when you hear that, you're like, yeah, that that makes total sense. (laughs) And it was very evident last week, you know, like Gino actually put together what looked to be a reasonable game when he he stepped in the second half um, the week before, but... Yeah, I, I, you wonder if some of that is just due to a lack of game planning that um, that was done, and now the teams that have a week to study Geno studied Geno and was like, oh, this is what Geno Smith is, a quarterback who was yeah. on the Jets and now on the backup on the Seahawks. Yeah, <laughs> there's a reason. Yeah, it, it, it's just a whole thing, you know. I mean, I feel bad, obviously, mm-hmm. You guys kind of got put in this really tough situation that you put yourself in by trading so much for Jamal Adams and then forcing yourself to make him one of, one of I think, the highest paid defensive player. Correct. Despite the fact that he's terrible in coverage, um, and I'm pretty sure has mostly always been just average in coverage in general. Um, and I think that's another sort of stat out there that like, oh, one, don't pay running backs, and two, don't pay poor coverage uh, secondaries you know um and that's rough obviously and you know i don't know if you saw the beginning of the game when they do the little player introductions and they say my name and then my school well he just said jamal adams the best and it was like (laughs) it was like you can't do that and then have the ball hit you in the face is that an accredited (laughs) school the best is that how this works (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it, it, and even more funny is twitter had its fun with it said jamal adams he said jamal adams the best and under it it oh. said pff rank 62 of 63 <laughs> or something like that <laughs> oh. Oh. now that how does that That's... like where does that fit in the hierarchy between him and and i forget uh tyler lockett's elementary school but like between the two, which one ranks higher in like FBS polls? Are we sure? Tyler <laughs> <laughs> Lockett, you know, I'm a K State fan, obviously. K State, really? I didn't know Twitter this. Get... <laughs> <laughs> Very vocal about yeah. it. Um, K State fan got so sensitive on Twitter when he was saying like Booker T. Washington High School is where he went to high school, and then he said his elementary school, and they just got so like. I don't know how to put it. They were they were so unhappy that he didn't say his college. And it was just like, goodness, come on, guys. Just let him have his fun. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. No just fun people... is spreading everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I, I've gotten a pretty good laugh about sort of the whole, you know, Jamal Adams thing. Right now he's ranked 59th on PFF and... His obviously his hash rush grade I think is one of the best, but his coverage grade are you know just abysmal. So and with how the, he's really being special. used in the Seattle uh, Seattle defense, it's um it's very oh, ev- yeah. very it, evident. 
Yeah, it's po- they they're utilizing him poorly. Like I I don't mean to like be mean to Jamal Adams because he is a talented player. He does have his his negatives, of course, and that is coverage. But the way he's being utilized is also not to his skill set either, and that's a problem with Seattle as a whole. Um, I I don't know. I I've been joking that Seattle needs to sort of burn it all down and start over, but I I know that that's sometimes not easy. I guess. But let, let's let's move let's move on a little bit here. Are we let's, done with the, the pain of Seattle talk? I, I, I you know <laughs> the last time I came on we talked about like player reviews. I'm like this is great player evaluation. Now we're going to talk about how awful Seattle is. Love coming on the show. <laughs> yeah. Love coming on the show. <laughs> well, you see the great thing about it recently. I don't know if you've noticed this, but our I mentioned him before. Noro, our good Seattle uh, uh, fan friend. Um, he recently moved and now no longer lives in Seattle and now lives, I think, in California. So I've been joking that he is no longer a Seattle fan and now a 49ers fan. <laughs> and he he gets so unhappy. <laughs> it just kind of cracks me up. Oh. I'm so mean like that. <laughs> but let, let, let's move on. Talk a little bit about some interesting stuff that uh, I found while browsing the Twitterverse and um, sort of some interesting stuff on predicting offenses, right? We're six weeks into the season, and according to what we're seeing here is six weeks is about enough data to have an idea of what we expect to see for the rest of the year, right? I found this very interesting. This this idea sort of came from two different posts. Um PFF has talked about it before, but Anthony Reinhard, uh, I don't exactly know who he works for. It looks like the Zero RB in 247 Sports and Josh Hermsmeyer of 538.com. We both know a lot about Josh's work. I know that. Um, talked also about what he found in terms of predicting uh, offenses for the rest of the year. And same thing, about six weeks of data is what we're looking for. Um, what, 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 is that surprising to you? Do you think that's a lot, not enough? Like what, what would you expect? Is that what you expect? Six is enough. Six feels like without just like looking at the data, six feels to the point where it's right. Cause you, at the, especially when you're not having any bye weeks. So until so late that you're getting, every team's getting a, enough play in. Like when we used to have the week four bye weeks, you definitely didn't necessarily feel that way. Six feels about right. You also just have to react so quickly in, in football and in fantasy football and, and manage a redraft. And even in dynasty, you have to kind of react quickly because the data shifts very, very fast. Right. And so six, six weeks feels about right. Well, and I would say too, you know, when it comes to, you know, especially managed redraft, which is, you know, probably I, I would say easily the most common form of fantasy football. Not everyone's weirdos like us who are, well, me, not yeah. you. Well, I was and, like, wait, don't you know, get me to Dynasty here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not everyone's like me and a bunch of Dynasties and, and best balls and all, and all that sort of stuff. But um, I, I would say that, you know, six weeks is enough for sure at, you know, looking at offenses as a whole. But when it comes to individual players, there's obviously way more than that, right? Like if you went into last night's game and you looked at Stefan Diggs, you might be a little sad because he only had one touchdown on the year, but last night he had a great game and he scored a touchdown and all that. But an important thing to know is we're talking about offenses as a whole. Individual players require more than just what we're going to talk about here. Right? Like for example, a, a good example in my mind would be um, Keenan Allen, right? Keenan Allen, he's getting the volume, he's getting the targets, he's getting the air yard market share and everything. It just hasn't completely translated into points yet. Another thing I looked at recently was Odell Beckham Jr. Since coming back in week three, he was pretty comparable to the work that Mike Williams has been getting in that same period of time, right? Since week three, they were both looking at a pretty similar target share, one to two percent off, and a very similar air yard share. So, while it hasn't connected to fantasy points yet, it's going to. But a key thing here is we're looking at offenses as a whole, and maybe we'll get some insight into the offenses that haven't worked, hint, hint, Chicago and Allen Robinson, and that's where we can say something is maybe a little more actionable. What do you think? Yeah, so the one thing that, that you bring up that's really important is that when when you say things look good or things look bad, and what you're referencing there are things like routes run and and air yard share and target share, right? And 
and and that's what you're really looking at you're looking at what that volume potentially is or can be right as opposed to looking yeah. at more superficial superficial super, ah, superficial things such as um uh touchdowns or even yards and catches and that sort of thing just because um you're getting more data out of targets and, and that than you are out of especially touchdowns but even even just receptions yeah and i mean if you were really just gonna break it down to one thing for an individual player, I would say just break it down to fantasy points or expected fantasy points. Yeah, I agree. Really, re- realistically, that's going to take into account the volume and the air yards and all that sort of stuff. And so if you're looking at, say, Keenan Allen, like I said, he's probably just got a low fantasy points over expected, right? He's probably in the negatives, probably negative nine or so, right? Because he hasn't caught a touchdown in a few weeks. But someone like Mike Williams was probably way above that. And so you would expect that regression or Cooper cup. You would expect that regression because he was so far over his fantasy points over expected based on the volume that he was receiving. Obviously the volume was encouraging, but we, we should know it's a good idea to know that this player is outperforming what we would expect them to do based on what they're receiving. Right. Right. I would, Um, I would say two extra things in particular wide receivers that I tend to look at is, uh, weighted opportunity uh, whopper right um, and the other yeah. one is weighted targets per route run those two numbers are similar but different um, and yeah. um, that I mean that's obviously a wide receiver set and doesn't and I, I guess for tight ends too technically but that's still a weird position even in 2021 um, but for different reasons than in past years uh, but yeah. it doesn't apply to <laughs> running backs I guess nearly as much as what I'm getting at yeah, I mean, I, I think that, de- that that definitely is true, right? Because we talked a lot about running back stats we think that matter, right? We talked about high-value touches and things like that. Um, and when, when it comes to tight ends, for example, I'm definitely someone that looks more at things like targets per route run and route participation, things like that. Um, I look at those sort of things. And then for wide receivers, I would say that's when I'm looking at expected fantasy points, right? Um, but... Let, let, let's go back let's backtrack a tiny bit we're talking about predicting offenses right we started this like five minutes ago and got <laughs> sidetracked um let, let's talk about uh predicting offenses like i said anthony reinhard uh looks like like i said i think he writes for 247 in the zero rb found that when it comes to predicting the rest of the season epa per drop back right after six weeks one stat pops above all of the rest this is above EPA and CPOE and, and even EPA per dropback. And they found that PFF passing grade of all things is actually the most predictable. And now this is very crazy to you and I, because we are both very much not film people, but I still respect the work that PFF does and clearly they're doing it well. Right. That's the surprising thing, right? Because I mean, people kind of see PFF grades, at least I did for the longest time as glorified Madden ratings. And so, yes. you know, and she's like, okay. And then you look at Madden ratings, like, well, these are dumb. And so like, well, you, you make <laughs> that connection. Right. But, but over time, it, I don't, I'd be interested if it's gotten better over years or if it's always been good. And I've just been completely blocking it out. But the data is showing that like PFF passing grades are actually really representative and and great is i mean it's it's shocking to me but i'm a great shocking to me i guess yeah well it's funny because people kind of you know dog on me a little bit and they're like oh you know you don't do film blah 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 and someone recently was like have you ever actually watched these players play and it's like Yes, I have. I just don't take much. I'm just not analyzing it as much as a normal film person or, you know, any film person, really. But what I do say or what I would say is that this player has a higher PFF passing grade than the other player we're talking about. And I would say that they are better at evaluating that film than you or I are. Right. Oh, absolutely. And And, and honestly, probably most of the people listening to that, that while all of us and shocker to a lot of people i do watch a fair amount of football um <laughs> i appreciate that the people that are trying to make these grades and watching these have better trained eyes for this than i do right and so yeah. while i can look at it and kind of get a feel for it um i a would if i if they're telling me something is different i'm going to trust them and at least consider what they're saying i guess is the answer right 
Yeah. I mean, they're, they're sort of the annoying thing about film versus analytics in that in my experience at times when i'm saying i think this player is better than that player it's almost like there's like a checklist of certain things that i hear from some film people and they're like well he's got better route running and i'm just kind of sitting there i'm like well i'm gonna have to take your word for that (laughs) you know um or or they can do this or they can do that and it's just like well I sent you a great gif once of a great movie I think we both love of Moneyball, right? And if a film person says they're a great player, they do this, this, and this, and then in Moneyball he goes, well, then why don't they get on base? (laughs) And in this case, why don't they get targets? (laughs) I remember distinctly what it was. It was, why do we like this player? Because he gets targets. (laughs) (laughs) Because he gets targets. And so that's sort of a common issue in terms of these sort of things. Like I, I was talking to people that I'm, I mean, I'm just saying I use some film stuff. Clearly I use PFF, but another example is I use Matt Harmon's reception perception. Outstanding. Right. Absolutely outstanding. And he, he has a good history of utilizing film and has this documented history of, Hey, here's my film stuff. And here's the results. And he has shown that, hey, he knows what he's talking about to the point where I feel comfortable trusting him. Going into the season, he said Deontay Johnson was basically their number one graded wide receiver in certain coverages, right? Deontay Johnson wasn't on my radar that much before that. And he was after. Yeah. Right? I Like, there are certain people that I respect enough in the film community to say, you know what you're talking about. I know your process is good and well-documented to the point where when you say something that goes completely against what I think, I'm going to stop and consider what you're saying. It comes down to process. And I mean, it's a lot easier to process in analytics because it's, it's data and it's very easy to crunch numbers in the same way, in the same way and, and illustrate how you're crunching those numbers. Right. Um, Yeah. But in film, that pro- you know, that film process still exists and it's still important. It's just more fungible, right? It's 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 more d- difficult to tell as it yeah. goes through, and so that's why um, I think people hesitate going going towards it or forget don't want to necessarily use it. But if you look at like Matt Harmon, who has this process done year over year after year, and it's it's got to be in close to a decade now that he's been doing reception perception, and it's been great that entire time. He, I mean. No one's a hundred percent, as anyone will, you know, admit. But like, yeah, man, hit he he hits a ton more than I feel like anyone has the right of hitting. Right? <laughs> it's it's impressive. Yeah. yeah, I mean that that's like a great point. Is like all of this is ultimately, and this is an issue of both film and and analytics people. But it's all about percentile, you know, range of outcomes, right? Like, I thought Kadarius Tony's range of outcomes were exceptionally leaned towards, like, a busting, a bust-style range, right? But he still had that, like, maybe 10% chance of being a legit NFL superstar. I'm not going to say he's there yet, but it's promising, right? He's definitely looked pretty decent so far to the point where it's like, oh, you know, it's looking like he potentially will avoid the bus moniker that I thought he was going to have and instead he's going to be a, a great player and seemingly like I said I think he's on that track um but was interesting enough is like I said these PFF grades graded out as the most predictable right these PFF passing grades specifically right that's a key factor here and I thought that that was interesting in that ru- like rushing quarterbacks like maybe I wonder if they just didn't take that into account or their overall offensive grade didn't matter as much, but PFF passing grade itself was more predictive than completion percentage over expected or EPA per dropback. And like going into this and just looking at those grades, there are some really surprising ones to me. I agree. Right? Like Trevor Lawrence is the lowest PFF passing grade that I'm, I'm seeing on here. Like, that's really bad. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the, really bad. That bottom of the list, and we should just read out the bottom of the bottom five, right? And, and yeah, we'll yeah bottom. Go, start from Ben. We'll start from Ben. Oh, start from Ben. So bottom six is Ben Roethlisberger, Zach Wilson, Davis Mills, uh, Taylor Heineke, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. Right, like that is yeah. And part of me doesn't know if if like 
a lot, I mean, a lot of that outside of obviously Ben is those are all rookies, right? And so, yeah. Um, I'm wondering if part of it is just, you know, early on exposure and, and learning the NFL game a little bit, but like those numbers are, they're, they're rough. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, one thing I found interesting about it was, is you might say, well, they're rookies, so, you know, we should be, you know, fair and whatnot to them. But there's actually, in recent years, rookies have kind of done really well. Like, even Baker Mayfield, he had this 83 um, offensive grade and then, like, a 70 passer, you know, rating based off PFF. And it was like that that to this year, that would be pretty highly ranked as a rookie. He had that. So it's almost like we've been spoiled by these rookies for sure in recent years. And now this year, they're finally becoming what we would expect rookies to be, which is quite poor. Unless your name's Mac Jones, who's obviously had a great start to the year, higher graded than Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Like, it's um, I mean, the other thing to look at to think about this when we're talking about predicting offenses and all of that is that. These are all just historically bad teams, too. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, outside, of, I'd say Pittsburgh, um, which is just on the cusp. But like the rest of these teams, it's the Jets, the Texans, Washington, Chicago, and Jacksonville. These are all just really rough offenses. And so I'm wondering if there's kind of a little bit of relation between the two in the other way, in that bad offenses are bringing down passing grades as well. I mean, there's something that could be said there. But at the end of the day, like we're just trying, if we're trying to predict like teams that are teams that are good are are doing that are are having great PFF passer ratings, like we don't expect that out of these teams. We just don't. Yeah. Well, there's some surprising ones to me that are also down there, just right above men is Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think most people would say has the highest supporting cast of any player, right? I would say something near that. Obviously, he's been hurt, so we're working with a smaller sample there. Um, much less, uh, um, you know, opportunities. But some interesting ones, maybe some players that I think maybe are shooting above their grade. I would throw out Sam Darnold. Um, his offense, in my opinion, is is kind of better than he is, right? He's, he's sort of similar to Jimmy in that sense that the supporting cast around him is probably better than he is. So I'm wondering if it's him or if it's, you know, the quarterback, but, or sorry, if it's him or the supporting cast, right? Um, but I found that very interesting. Another one that I found interesting who was highly rated was Derek Carr, who's sitting there at number six, right? And I don't think we would say that Derek Carr's supporting cast outside of Darren Waller has been particularly exciting, right? Uh, it's what, Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs and uh, Hunter Renfro, and I can never get the picture of Hunter Renfro out of my head every time I mention his name. <laughs> the grapes. Oh, the grapes, yes, The great of picture. Of course. Um, yeah, that is not yeah. a team that you'd expect that um, out of. And it's not like they're using the no, they're they're throwing the ball to their backs in that situation much either. So it's not like they're having that as a as an option instead, right? It's it's Darren Waller, right? Yeah, yeah. It it's been a very interesting year for Darren Waller. I mean, I I would say he's definitely not met the expectations I've had for him. But was there any passing grade here that really surprised you? Right, someone way too high, someone way too low. Um. I so I think there's probably two. Um Okay. In that I'm surprised Stafford is as low as he is. Stafford is middle of yes. the pack, he's what, fourteenth, I think it is. Um, but I'm yeah. I'm surprised Stafford is as low as he is. He's I haven't gotten to watch too many Rams games this season, but from what I've seen, I mean he looks the connection I've seen out of him and Cup is just was nuts in the little bit I've gotten to watch with him. But he's looked great and I, I I'm kind of surprised it's well, as low as it is, I guess. I guess that's what we're talking about. But I think Stafford's the one that jumps yeah. out at me immediately. Well, I would throw out there with Stafford, interestingly enough, because like I said, we're talking about predicting the rest of the year, yeah. right? right? That's the goal of this, right? And Stafford is number three when we look at the EP, EPA plus CPOE composite. Shout out Ben Baldwin, uh, ben Baldwin and uh, rbsdm.com. Running backs don't matter. Um, shout out Ben Baldwin. If I'm using your stuff, I like to shout you out, of course. It's only fair, right? Um, the way to do it. So Stafford is sitting there at number three in that composite score, but he's sitting here at like, what, 15, 20 almost maybe? in passing grade and it's like okay wait a second 
passing grades more predictable. <laughs> so this is interesting, right? right? This is an interesting development. And uh, I'll let you get to your other one, but one that caught my eye was Carson Wentz. His passing grade a lot higher than I expected. Same. That was the um, other one I was going for. <laughs> keep, oh, keep talking dang, on I it. Stole your thunder. Keep talking on it. I stole your thunder. No, you didn't. Go for oh, it. Oh man. Yeah, I mean Carson Wentz is sitting there above Josh Allen in in passing grade and above Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. And when you think about that, that you're like, wow, that's like I mean, what is he sitting there at? Like maybe somewhere between ten and fifteen or so. Yeah. Um that's quite surprising. <laughs> like he's sitting at eighteen on the EPA CPOE comp uh, composite. So not a huge difference there, but PFF seemingly thinks Carson Wentz is playing back to what I think we, you know, he used to play at with old the old Frank Wright offense, right? <laughs> I know you have never been much of a Carson Wentz guy. I, I'm I, not. I know that. I'm, I'm not a huge Carson Wentz guy, but I mean, he, he has been, the last couple of games, he's looked legit good again. Um, I don't know if yeah. this is a... I don't know. The, the other benefit going for Carson Wentz is his division. Um, and so you, even if you aren't entirely sold on that, like getting to, to play against who he gets to play against, you kind of would have bump yeah. up a little bit there. Um, but yeah, that was the one that was kind of surprised. I was surprised Wentz is where he was, even though I've kind of known he's like picking it up and all. Yeah. So there's that um, Stafford. There's some surprises on here that are low just from past years, like Rogers and Mahomes are really low, but they've also kind of not Rogers has has had a decent year I'll say um Mahomes is is putting up points um hasn't looked great doing it I would say um but both of them are in the bottom I mean in the bottom half they're they're probably about 15 to 20 ish um so when you say that is is there anything actionable fantasy wise here I think the one thing I would take away from this is looking at where Justin Fields is at, which is second to the bottom, and looking at where Zach Wilson is at, which is like sixth to the bottom, and Trevor Lawrence is the very last, right? Is there anything you would say about those pass catchers? Like, there's been work done in the past, we've all seen it, about rookie quarterbacks' impact on their pass catchers. Is there any hope here? Is there any light at the end of the tunnel for Allen Robinson people or or Marvin Jones people or or maybe Corey Davis or Elijah Moore? Like, what are you thinking? So from the actual quarterbacks themselves, I would say a lot of those quarterbacks were held as, I mean, especially Justin Fields and, and Lance doesn't have enough games, but I, I kind of put him in the same boat in that um, – like you, if you're holding, you're holding on to just, yeah. Upside. If you're holding on to them to try to like see if they're gonna work out, I think we know enough now. Know they're they're not gonna work out. That doesn't mean you can't stream them. Um, it you know it looks like they're starting to get fields some more movement, but not really. Um, what about for their pass catchers? So their pass catchers, it looks dire. <laughs> doesn't look great. yeah. Okay, it doesn't look great. Okay. As and I think you and I both have a decent amount of. Of uh, Allen Robinson and just it's 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 because he's and he's a great wide receiver, but he's just I I don't if I remember correctly the issue is like he's not getting separation as as much as he can, um and that's really detrimental for with a rookie running back like um a rookie quarterback with like Justin Fields who's not getting not making those crisp passes to get in there right now either. Yeah, I will. Uh, and, and so. I, I want to talk about one more thing after this. So I want to end this sort of subject with just mentioning that Joss Hermsmeyer found out or, you know, in his post also said that defenses are really not predictable at all. And I feel like we've been kind of screaming this for a while, especially, you know, fantasy defenses not being that predictable year to year, especially. But it's interesting to see that in terms of expected EPA, that they are not that predictable in terms of... And that makes total sense if you really think about it. And for the most part, a lot of what defenses do is based off of things... Or what? how defensive scoring works is based off of things that isn't that predictable, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, fumbles, points, those are all things that are just... 
they happen, their events. Uh, fumbles at least like have positive value. Like if you get a score a fumble, like that's great. It's, I can understand why it scored points in fantasy football, but in the same sense, if you're looking for predictive things and trying to like see that oh this 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 stat it means that this is going to happen more likely like that's not a stat you don't look at fumbles because fumbles are very random right yeah or like pick sixes for example i know i can look a lot into pick sixes and those are just really unpredictable right they just it's and and it's rough too because if you're sitting there and you're looking at fantasy scoring for defenses and you're like well we're gonna we're gonna emphasize yardage right we're gonna put yardage things in here and it's like okay well, is it really like why? Why is keeping them to 199 yards worth 15 points, but when they get that one extra yard, now I only get 10 points? Yeah, like that's dumb. Yeah, and that that's <laughs> you know? more of a an issue with the the fantasy sports providers doing that as tiered things as opposed to just like a you know a metric that can decrease per per point, right? Um, uh-huh. But even then, like. Is that is that more interesting than points? Is that more interesting than like something like passes defended or tackled for loss or things like that? Like you know, yeah. pressures versus sacks, that sort of thing, right? And so, yeah, defenses. It's fun to stream, but it's definitely I don't know if it's a super skillful thing to do. But you know what? That's no. okay too. Yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot about you know. I think I think a lot of our DMs and especially when Rob gets in on this conversation is fixing fantasy scoring and there's just all it always comes back to like a lot of similar things it's like is it predictable should it be should we reward things that are predictable should we not you know especially with like quarterback scoring and defensive scoring are kind of the big ones that are always the topics and it's just like i feel like the conversations happen every year almost and it's almost exhausting should it be should fantasy be as close to the nfl as possible and it's like uh, i don't really think that is you know the goal of fantasy right like who knows i i don't know the answer i don't think anybody does there's no real answer like (laughs) It's one of those things you have to balance because sometimes you'll get people that are swinging one way where they're like, I don't, I want head to head and I want, that's all I want. Like if, if the number two team loses to the number one team, you know what, that's how football is. And that that's unfortunate for that week. Right. And then you have people on yeah. the other side, they're like, well, I want to play all play where you play every team every week. And I want that to be as close to like the best team winning as possible. And, and there's varying yeah. levels of scale to that. Right. And so um, you know, like I, I would imagine that there are some people that would go as far as like, man, let's just play roto football, right? And just like, don't have any head-to-head <laughs> matchups. Just start counting stats and trying to like, you know, play basically f- uh, fantasy football solitaire in a way, even more so than fantasy football is solitaire <laughs> as it is right now, right? Yeah. Um, and so there's always that balance, and that the answer is different for every group of people that are doing leagues together right and so you kind of just have to fit in where where you're where the rest of your group's at i mean you you deal with this this issue every year oh yeah right you you and the other discord mods in our um unnamed generic discord what what is what's our number at where are we at number wise oh the oh the number of people number of years what are we we talking here people oh it's uh, oh uh teams there's we have 60 teams um, uh-huh. the actual Discord size is what six fifty somewhere in that range. Six fifty. Yeah. Okay. That sounds alright. Yeah, it's, it's quite sizable, right? And so every single year, you probably have someone that's like, "Oh, we should do this or we should do that." And and, and like I remember, there is the year where someone wanted to allow redraft pick trading. <laughs> Only one year. <laughs> and you... Oh yeah, that happens. That happens arguably every year in, in even just the redraft redraft pick trading, but also um just scoring changes right and how everyone wants things different and sometimes those changes are great and sometimes they seem flat right and you you have to balance and you have to the the idea like fantasy football is supposed to be fun right like that at the end of the day it's a game and and so what you're trying to do is devise points and systems so that people have fun at the end of the day because if if that, that you know that i mean yeah absolutely and there's a balance because if everything is super predictable to the point where like you know going into a match that this game is over that's not really that fun right and vice versa if you go in and having no clue who's going to win because 
it, it's basically a coin, you know, it's basically 50 coin flips that you're going to take away. That's not fun either because you don't feel like you have any control over it. There's a balance in between where you want to have some yeah. ability and feel like you're manipulating and building your team um, in a certain way. But, you know, there's still that ev- any given Sunday part of, of fantasy football, which parallels to football where, you know, any team can win. I mean, yeah, that I mean, that's absolutely correct. I mean, and and speaking of another fun way that you have made fantasy, especially for our server, is the cup. Now, who came up with the cup? I want to make sure we give them credit. Okay, so, I mean, this is, this is a long, a bunch of different sources have come into this, right? So uh, okay. our friend Neo messaged me like three years ago saying, hey, we should do an FA cup. And he had this idea of like like weeks four, eight, and twelve we do matchups, break it down. I'm like, okay, that's really cool. Um, I had like a one year old at that point, so I'm like, my mental state is not there to like handle sixty more kids, right? Yeah. Um, in a in bracket format, right? It's like no. So then um, last year I actually joined a, a pretty big ro- a promo rel hockey league called um, Old Time Hockey, which is a Reddit um, group. Um, and it's awesome. And if you like playing fantasy hockey, I would highly recommend playing that. Um, it's a great format, but they do, uh, they do their version of the cup, which is, um, their league size is about two to three times the size of ours. I think it's 196 this year. So they do, um, very much the first five weeks are seating and then they do single elimination all the way down, just like we're doing. And so, um, those are the two kind of sources it came from, but the end result is in for football, um, starting in the bye weeks, which this year is week six, we are doing a, a single elimination between all 60 teams, even though they're in different leagues, um, to basically come down to who can who can win out of a single elimination. It's, it's basically a long playoffs in the middle of the season, right? Um, I think that's kind yeah. of the best way to describe it. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that this was a great idea for multiple reasons, right? One, I don't think people love the idea. We have a promotion system for anybody listening that doesn't know between uh, a, a large subset of leagues and then one league that's I don't I don't know how to properly say it. Tier one and tier two, we'll say, right? Yeah, I didn't want to say one was lesser than the other. It's not It's not that big of a deal. But there's sort of a Champions League. And yeah. so if you won your previous league, you get to move up. And we found that we were giving one spot to the highest scoring person that didn't get to move up. And then we realized we we're actually giving two. Um, and the second one just didn't make a lot of sense, right? No, it doesn't. We, this is way more fun to give instead of the second highest scoring person who didn't get to move up. We'll do a cup, right? And this is cool. Like I said, another reason I love it is it's no more work on the user, right? These these leagues are already happening. Ideally, you're setting your best possible lineup anyway. And now there's another way for you to make it into the second tier of leagues, right? Um, I, I think it's awesome. We just had our first week. I did win my matchup. I was like the third highest scoring person in the entire Discord or something like that. Uh, the second, actually, uh, with 157 points. Um, so I, I'm excited. I know winning my first matchup. I know that was a big deal. Did you win yours? I, I did win mine. Um, I I think I had 123 or something like that. It was it was good enough. Yeah, that's all. It's good enough, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. But it, it should be fun. Um, there's a couple nice things about it, right? Is that in these kind of things, what you what you always want to do in league building is you want to make sure that you're giving people reasons to have fun right uh, and and this is one of them we do lots of other things we do little uh, server games in terms of like streaming challenge which you will probably talk about in this conversation we'll do um just the yeah. leagues in general um always do playoff challenges as well and it's it's a way to keep people engaged and it gives some bragging rights to people all over right which is you know that's fun it's fun to brag about doing well at things right um but yeah but also it's it's an interesting challenge because I feel like when you're, and this is me going back to mock drafting, but when you're looking at, you know, mock drafting and teams, right? Like you're looking at like a, a perfect team, right? Bye weeks are never perfect. I'm certain now, like every person listening to this has some sort of pain with week seven because week seven buys are just rough, right? Um, yeah. And if you're not, then. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's a... Sk- Must be nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, great. Great for you. Um, but there's a skill in navigating all those bye weeks. And so 
this is a nice way to kind of reward like hey i can i can navigate a team build through uh week six to 14 right of buys right because there's just so many buy weeks going on so it's a it's a skill it's a different skill but still a very valid fantasy football skill and honestly it's a fantasy football skill that usually lends itself to good teams doing better because those teams tend to end up making it to playoffs anyhow yeah i wasn't going to mention the qb scoring because i'm doing poorly um (laughs) (laughs) we only talk about things that i'm good at oh fair enough Um, my bad (laughs) i i started taylor heineke last week so that, oh that's so did half the my... people i haven't put out scores oh, yet good. but i will give the the scoop that um over half the people had taylor heineke at least one of the positions so so did i <laughs> <laughs> the consensus had a rough yeah, I mean, week that that, that that's another kind of interesting thing just about that QB streaming because my my strategy in there is quite controversial. Obviously, the sort of double dipping idea for those listening that don't know. Basically, we have standard streaming, which is you want to explain. You you know this a little better than I do. Yeah, because I I do the line setting. So I set the lines at Wednesday morning ish, depending on when I wake up. Um, and so um, I look at ownership using Yahoo and I have historically cut around the 50% mark and the 25% mark for ownership for quarterbacks. So basically each week you have to choose a quarterback that has less than 50% ownership on Yahoo and a quarterback that has less than 25% ownership on Yahoo, um, to, to play for that week. And, uh, that line is a little bit, uh, it, it moves around a little bit. I, I might see someone at 51 that I want to put into the standard. I might see one at 26 that feels like they should be in the deep instead. But um, for the most part, that's generally where the line is. And it's it's kind of a fun way to test out how to do quarterback streaming without committing your own team to quarterback streaming and, and the pros and cons of that. Well, it was interesting because I, I felt like this idea was originally to get more people to buy into quarterback streaming and now we're sort of the the past year has been tough. Consensus has had a tough time, I believe, right? What what are they streamed? Like they streamed like QB twenty almost, uh, right? Consensus has been actually decent, but consensus and these things usually do pretty well. Um yeah. The thing with uh with streaming in general is that I think the market has gotten smart to running quarterbacks, which that hasn't been in the past ever. Um yeah. And so that has the, the market's gotten way more optimal than it has been. And so streaming is a little bit more difficult. But with that being said, the, the numbers are still pretty good. Um, and, and I think it's still very much a, a workable proposition in, in um, 2021. And I think if, if some of these rookie quarterbacks that we've spent the first 15 minutes slagging off uh, do end up becoming <laughs> like, you know, pulling around year two and onward, um, to the point where if you already have considering yourself having six good quarterbacks, if you get yourself up to 10 good quarterbacks or 11 good quarterbacks, streaming's in play again, right? Because it doesn't, that position doesn't matter again. Absolutely. I mean, for sure. Um, before we, before we head off here, um, as we are sort of getting down to, as I guess Scott Hansen would call the witching hour, um, uh, where can, uh, I guess, do you want to advertise the Discord or something? I don't know. I can't. I can't throw out your Twitter. You don't. You don't do the Twitter. I have a. Anything. I do have a Twitter. I. I. So, I make a joke about. I. I think we've talked about. I was born in Florida, and so I have uh-huh. this theory in that everyone spends twenty years of their life in Florida, but most people choose to do it at the end of their twenty years of their life, and I did at the beginning, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so my approach to Twitter was very much the same. So I was actually in Twitter in like two thousand six, and I. Got yeah. a good five years out of Twitter, and that's great. And so I got my that's got my the number. <laughs> that's the number. I'm like cool, done. So I have a Twitter. I don't really, I don't really use it, so I won't even talk about it here. Um, so we're working. What I'll actually talk about is the website a little bit. Um, we're working on um, okay. flexspotff.com, and that will be our repository for all the leagues. Uh, I've been basically spending my evenings working on this through the football season, and I plan on doing it through the rest of the season and probably in the off season by probably, I mean, absolutely, definitely. Um, <laughs> but what, what we're Perfect. trying to do is we have this league of 60 people, which has now been running for five years now. And so um, one of those things that's always, inter- always interesting with leagues that run for many, many years is the history or behind them. And so what I've been working on is getting all of this data together 
Um, I've been talking with uh, our Discord member Swan. Um, he's been uh, he's been our league historian. I'm trying to help him getting more data in the system. But the idea is, what we what we want to do is make all of this accessible and browsable and searchable, so you can see like, oh, you know, I was I was you know number two point scorer in 2018, or I was you know I was the Sacco in 2019, or things like that, or. You know, and and just having that history as as leagues go on, that that kind of lore that goes around them adds an extra level level of interest with the leagues, and that that applies to everyone's football leagues, right? The the longer a league runs, like you know, you, that that lore matters a lot. It's kind of a driving force going through it, right? Everyone's gonna remember, um, like the field goal that won the the championship in three years ago, or like I can tell in my home league we had. Um, in 20, I can tell you because I know all this detail. In 2014, the champion of week 16 won by 0.02, and it was on a kneel down. <laughs> they won on oh, a no. kneel down. It was absolutely excruciating, and like I will never, ever let him forget that he lost on a kneel down <laughs> seven years later. That's awful. It's awful, but it's also hilarious. It's awful because it was, didn't happen to me. Let's be clear about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll repeat. You said uh, flex, flex ff.com. Yeah. And also, you know, we have this, you know, very flourishing Discord community and uh, of uh, characters. There's definitely characters. There's some interesting people. Um, there's... Man, I, I've never had to describe our Discord before. <laughs> I'll, I'll describe our Discord. It's a great community of people. Um, it, it comes from, as most Discord servers, and you know, come from uh, very different areas and knowledge bases and um, and just lives in general. But um, all have kind of coalesced around one thing. But that doesn't mean that conversation sticks to that one thing, right? Like if you talk about game day yeah. chats, those are outstanding. Um, you can talk about any film study. Uh, injury reports and that sort of thing ignoring wednesday because wednesdays don't matter um <laughs> but then that also as with most communities that goes into off topic which is honestly just as lovely especially in the off season when we talk music and things like that so um and curling because that's what we should be talking about but <laughs> <laughs> there's no no curling channel or there's also no uh biathlon channel no either. not yet we'll get there we'll get there but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a great server, the great group of people, and um, yeah, I well, there there is a there is a link on the on the website that will that will get them in there. So yeah. Oh, awesome! Yep. Perfect. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for so much for coming on uh, and sort of replacing Iken this week. Uh, I, I'm sure he's more of the film guy than both of us. <laughs> so it's a, you know we were talking film stuff, and it's like. We're the worst people to sort of be talking about. Oh, it's great. I get invited on most. I was happy to talk about the community building because that's really, you know, that's where a lot of my love and fantasy football is. Um, But it's always funny. I usually try to, I end up coming on to shows and talking about player evaluation. And I think if there's one thing consistent about me, uh, I stay away from player (laughs) evaluation as much as I can. Um, So that's, that's pretty great. But um, yeah, I I assume I can move back next week. Uh, I'm sure all those tables will be fixed and ready to be broken in Buffalo again, you know. Of course, um, but you can uh, you can find me at Boots Fantasy Boots with a Z on Twitter um, and in Chris's Discord yeah. server. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me. As always, have a good one. Bye, everybody.